Hey folks, Mike here. Before we get started, we had a little problem with the audio this week. Uh, the quality, quite honestly, is not where I'd like it to be, but uh, we had such a great guest, I hope you'll overlook that. Also, we kind of lost Max about 10 minutes before the end of the show, but we made a substitution that I don't think anyone's going to notice. So just hang tight and please join us for our special 150th episode. Lots and lots of spoilers. Howdy, buckaroos. You got your cowboy hat on? You wearing your chaps? Six irons strapped to your thighs? Your trusty horse there between your... Welcome to Max Mike Movies. We're in the middle of our series on Hollywood whitewashing, the practice of cultural misrepresentation, and the casting of white people in roles that are decidedly not white. We're going to be looking at 2013's The Lone Ranger. This is a special episode. Not only have we reached number 150, we have a special guest. Dr. Rebecca Pelkey, Ph.D., Assistant Professor of Film Studies at Clarkson University and herself enrolled in the Brothertown Indian Nation of Wisconsin is here to shed some extra sharp light on this particular bit of celluloid wonder. Wonder. Yeah. As in, I wonder how this got made. <laughs> I'm sure we all wonder that. Uh, she has taught this film and likely has a perspective that Max and I couldn't hope to have. So welcome mm. us in welcoming her to this welcome addition to our welcome show, won't we? I, uh, Becca, say hello, would you? Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you for Thanks coming. for being here, Professor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, yes. how often do I get to say that? You uh, should address me as either Professor or Doctor throughout the rest okay. of the program, please. Right. <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about Dr. Professor? Yes, I mean, if that, that's... If <laughs> as, as, as important as you can make me sound, that'd be great. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, if we're doing it German style, it should be, you know, Frau Doctor Professor and six or seven others thrown in there, because... The Germans love their titles. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure, the only letters after the only letters after my name are ASS. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before we get to the usual garbage ad trivia, we have poll question stuff to go over. Last week yes. we asked for movies where you don't know the language, would you prefer it to be dubbed or subtitled? And you folks answered overwhelming over oh, over <laughs> overwhelmingly that subs were the way to go. A few notes from you, dear listeners. Val says, quote, subtitles. I'd rather hear the real actors, unless it's a really bad movie, in which case dubbing can add to the mirth, end quote. I could not agree more. <laughs> mm. She also adds that assistant Steven says, quote, subtitles, unless it's something like anime, end quote. All right. Dave, gets harder to say every week, says, mm -hmm. quote, I don't think anybody really likes dubbing. As a matter of language education, I enjoy when things are dubbed into German because English that has been translated into German is much easier to understand than anything or originally written in German. But other than that, I have no patience for dubbing. Okay. So huh. German. Interesting. It's a thing. Jamie Joe adds, quote, Anime is the only genre I enjoy dubbed, and that even is limited because sometimes the dubbed version turns out to be a slightly different movie than the subbed version. Subtitles, I think, are less intrusive once you get used to them because I notice little things like mouth movements and vowel consonant patterns not lining up, and it bothers me. Mm. I personally think that's part of the fun, but there you go. <clears throat> we get a slightly different view from Matt, quote, I like dubs for stuff I watch casually, and subs for stuff I'm focused on watching. Ultimately, I want the ability to switch depending on my mood or context. I think subs tends to be better, but I'm more likely to watch something if it's dubbed, or at least if that's an option. That's, that's reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Both Jess Miller and Haley King say they like subs because they normally have captioning on anyways. Jess says, quote, To be honest, my brain doesn't always do well with hearing things. Hearing is fine, but my brain doesn't always register what I heard. Yay, ADHD. So it's always been easier for me to have subtitles on, end quote. 
Haley concurs with, quote, I'm so with you on this. Any recorded voice is usually difficult for me to parse, and I often have a delay between hearing the sounds and my brain figuring out how those correspond to words. The closed captions give me something to follow along with to speed that process up, end quote. Thank you both. Interesting uh, yeah. views there. Uh, I know one movie in particular uh, my mother always had to have the subtitles on for, and that was... Um, uh, not Downton Abbey, the movie uh, Gosford, Gosford Park. Park. <laughs> so yeah. the, is anyone speaking English? Uh, yeah, Mom, they're all speaking mm. English. So. Well, it is Robert Altman, so there's a lot of mumbling. Yes, there is that. Uh, Henry Clay mentions, quote, Subs, I want to hear the original language's emotional inflections and be able to read a translation so I understand what they're saying, end quote. Thanks, Henry. Ian Coleman, mm. MYP, that's Million Year Picnic for those of you listening at home, uh, is an alum state's Quote, I'm a subtitles guy. I like hearing the real voice of the characters, end quote. And last but not least, we hear from Vince, who gets double, triple, extra bumpy bucks because last week he used our email address. Yay! Yay! He gives us, quote, animation isn't as bad dubbed as live action, but I am for subtitles overdubbed pretty much all the time. We dubbed The Simpsons here in Quebec, and it's really well done, but it's the only good example I can think of, end quote. Personally, I can't imagine The Simpsons in French, but then again, I couldn't imagine the Beverly Hillbillies in Japanese until I saw it. Thanks for all the great answers, and um, take an extra bumpy buck out of petty cash, twice on Tuesdays. Max, how about you? Uh, in general, I, I'm, with the, I'm going along with the mob mentality. I do prefer subtitles, except in cases, for example, like Shaw Brothers martial arts movies. <laughs> The bad dubbing is really about 80% of the fun. Yeah. You know, listening to these uh, supposed ninjas speaking with heavy Australian accents <laughs> or, and, you know, and, and it's so badly done and so rushed, it's hilarious. Yeah. When you know it's not going, when the, you're not watching for the language, you're not watching for the subtle di- dialogue, then it can be okay. But otherwise, and it's it, interesting, whoever made the point, it is different with animation, because let's face it, the mouths don't match up. It's less distracting because the mouths don't really match up with uh, what is what's being spoken. Yeah, they try sometimes, but let's face it, doesn't match with the Japanese either. <laughs> no. Hey, Becca, so, how about yeah, you? I, how I, about, I oh, to, I'm I, sorry, Max. Yeah. No, I do, I do tend to prefer subs over dubs. Uh, do, I'm sorry, Doctor Becca. How about you? <laughs> what do you think? Do you Doctor Professor Becca? I'm, oh, well, I watch pretty much everything with the subtitles on now, whether it's in English or any other language, so I'm going to go with subtitles myself. It's just easier for me. I miss a lot of things if I don't have the subtitles on. So, hmm. I, I will say that the, the sound, like we just got a new sound system for our TV. One of the reasons we got it was because I was tired of having the music really, really loud and people talking like this. without ha- yeah. having to, Every time you'd turn it up, suddenly there would be a music cue and you'd be like, ah! and the house would shake yeah and the yep. new sound system works better but it still seems to be a problem and there are times when we just have to deal with you know an orchestra in the living room so <laughs> um but yeah thank thanks to everybody listening who uh, gave us an answer on that one we have a new poll question for this yeah week. what's that uh it is a secret i'm not allowed to tell you oh um but you uh, can answer our poll question in ways that we won't tell you until the end of the show even though you um probably already know yeah. What was the first movie you remember seeing in the theater, and where was it? Doesn't matter what kind of theater, heh, heh, but it does have to have been in a theater on some kind of big screen. Give us, your, give us your answer, hear your name on the show, and win Bumpy Bucks, the frosted oat cryptocurrency with sweet surprises. Uh, yeah. So now we're going to move on to trivia. The show. Budget. Two hundred and fifty million trillion dollars. Final take. A quarter of a billion dollars. Yep. Good lord. Final take. Two hundred and sixty million thousand dollars. Boo. Oh dear. Boo. The joke at the end, where the Lone Ranger says, "Do you know what Tanto means in Spanish?" is said because Tanto <clears throat> means fool in Spanish, Italian, yeah. and Portuguese. We fun. Yeah. Ah, this one was interesting. Depp's makeup and costume was inspired or totally taken from a painting by Kirby <laughs> Sattler, not a known Native American. From the artist's own website, quote, I am not a historian nor an ethnologist. Being of non-Native blood without personal history, it would be presumptuous to portray the subject I paint from any other view than as an artist with an innate interest in the world's indigenous cultures. 
I purposefully do not denote a tribal affiliation to the majority of my subjects. Rather, I attempt to give the paintings an authentic appearance, provoke interest, satisfy my audience's sensibilities of the subject without the constraints of having to adhere to historical accuracy, end quote. Oh, Lord. Okay, uh, then. Yeah, the emphasis was so mine. I, this is right off the, the person's website. I So this is what they want to say. Uh, so they're basically saying, cool, I get to play with other cultures' stuff and not have to be accurate. Yay! <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, he and this film have something. In, oh, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah. Director, producer, and both main stars were critical of the reception this film got in many of its bad reviews. In a telling quote, Army Hammer, who plays the Lone Ranger, said... Quote, if you go back and read the negative reviews, most of them aren't about the content of the movie, but more what's behind it. It's got to the point with American critics where if you're not as smart as Plato, you're stupid. That seems like a sad way to live your life. While we were making it, we knew people were gunning for it. I think it was the popular thing when the movie hit rock, rocky terrain. They jumped on the bandwagon to try and bash it. They tried to do the same thing with World War Z. It didn't work. The movie was successful. Instead, they decided to slit the jugular of our movie. End quote. Right. That's so it, totally what happened. <laughs> sure. I mean, that really was obviously a role he could sink his teeth into. Oh, um, <clears throat> sorry. Ooh, that was icky. That the candidate yeah, so yeah. apparently is Army Hammer. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. This was one of Quentin Tarantino's 10 most favorite films of 2013. Yeah. Why? No, nobody's barefoot in it. <laughs> but it's implied. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that, yeah, no, when, the, when the, the Lone Ranger wakes up after he's resurrected. See, uh, and they even mentioned, not... oh, boots. So, of course, he'd rather it was a woman's foot, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Britt Reed, secret ID of the Green Hornet, is, in real life, the great-nephew of John Reed, the Lone Ranger. This bit of canon actually dates back to the original radio shows for both characters. Who <laughs> oh, no. oh, Okay, yeah. Many people were, shall we say, skeptical about casting Johnny Depp as a Native American. According to really? Depp, he thinks he's part Native American, quote, possibly from a great-grandmother, end quote. Possibly. He honestly thought that this casting would somehow right some wrongs of the past, some of the other portrayals and depictions of Native Americans from many, many other films. He did join the Comanche Nation in 2012, not at all in preparation for this role, <clears throat> but was adopted as an honorary son. So, to the best of my research, and when we ask Dr. Professor Becca later uh, if there is actually any uh, evidence, I think the mm. answer is still no. Mm. This was not the first time Depp played a Native American. He did so in 1997 in a film he directed himself called The Brave. Its reception at Cannes was so bad, it was never widely released. <laughs> Ow! Yeah. Kimosabe is, in fact, a made-up word and has no real meaning, in case you were wondering. To date, Disney's biggest failure just beating out John Carter. So, hey, <laughs> accolades! <laughs> and there's the usual, it was shot in this aspect ratio and so-and-so was considered for a part. This film was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Picture, just like the last film version of Long Ranger 32 years before, yada, 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 yada. Um, as far as trivia goes, do either of you have any other bits of trivia um, that you would like to add to this section of the broadcast? Dr. Professor? Um, I will just say that supposedly Tonto in, in the Potawatomi language, which was the um, George Trundle and Franz Stryker, the original creators of Tonto, they of the Lone Ranger franchise, um, they imagined Tonto as Potawatomi. And... George Trundle apparently was friends with some Potawatomi people when he was younger, and they told him that Tonto means wild one in Potawatomi, mm. which is also sort of problematic, but we can get into that later. <laughs> and Potawatomi, isn't, are, isn't that uh, uh, a, a group that was mostly North Midwest? Yes, it's not a, it's, well, you know, tribes moved around a lot, but definitely not Southwest Plains, not so, the, the Great White West. So very much like this film, it has nothing to do with Texas. Correct. Okay. <laughs> well, neither did this movie. It was well, filmed in Utah. Yeah. Oh, do you think that was glaring, glaringly obvious? Because it was to me. Uh, uh, right. So uh, now that we've passed... I, hang oh, I, you have some. I do want to point out. Yes, I do. I was doing... I did some research into the term Kimosabe. 
And the closest anybody came to it was there is an Ojibwe word, which I'm going to mispronounce, excuse me, Dr. Becky, <laughs> but uh, uh, Jimosab or Jimosabe, which, I, which according to them translates as one who watches from secret. In other words, a peeker <laughs> or peeper. Yeah. <laughs> the lone peeper. Now, yeah. That, so. that, that makes a little bit of sense with the mask and who yeah. gets to see and who has to be seen, sort of. I, so. I, it, had the, it had this term secret in it, so sure. Mask guy, <laughs> why not? I like that. Thank you, Math Man. I think, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Mask Man. All right. Well, then let's get to the plot. This is mm. going to be uh, shorter than usual because I felt like it. And we have a guest. It's 1933, and a small lad, dressed as a cowboy and wearing a mask, wink, wink, is wandering around a carnival. By chance, he enters the tent which encompasses an exhibit that promises to show what life in the Old West was lo really like. Besides stuffed buffalo and painted backdrops, he finds an exhibit with a statue of an old Native American labeled as a... No... Labeled as a noble savage. <clears throat> but lo, it is not a statue, but the very, very, very old Tonto, sidekick to the Lone Ranger. He proceeds to tell the boy the absolutely true story about how he and the Ranger fought corruption and evil in the Old West. Flipping back and forth between 1933 and 1869, we see how Tonto and John Reed first met. We see John's brother Dan, lead marshal in town, get betrayed and killed. We see John find his spirit horse Silver. We see twisted villainy. We almost see a bad guy rope a damsel to the tracks. Trust me, you, you actually might even think you saw it. We see explosions in train chases. Old West bordellos. Yeah, this is a Disney movie. And even cannibalism. It's fun for the whole family. <laughs> And in the end, Tonto disappears, just like real Native Americans do, as this tall tale comes to a close. Will this young man grow up to be the new Lone Ranger because that's still a thing in 1933? What does it mean? Anything? The end. The lowdown. What they don't tell you is that young man's name was Clayton Moore. Huh? Who's that? Sure, he 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 was the guy who played the Lone Ranger on TV. Oh, well, that's another bit. Of uh, that was in nineteen fifty something. It's early fifties, huh? yeah. Early fifties, mm -hmm. yeah. So it technically twenty years later, it could have been a young Clayton Moore, and <laughs> maybe he was going outside to find his friend, a young Jay Silverheel. I don't know. Just I don't understand with... this framing device. I'm going to go with Clayton Forrester, but that's just me. <laughs> um, so, Professor Doctor Becca. Um, yeah. How did you first come across this film? <laughs> was it in? Did it have to do with your your teaching the film studies class, or did you trip? I mean, did you uh, happen to watch it when <laughs> it just came out? Did you find it? Did you scrape it off the bottom of your shoe or something? I think I think in 2013 I was taking. I was in grad school then, getting my before I was it was uh, Doctor Professor Pelkey. I was still working towards that, and I took a class on indigenous film and media and i think the movie came up in that classes like bad representations of native people <laughs> and so um That's fair. so i think that was my first sort of notice of the film and then i went to watch it expecting it to be terrible and it was <laughs> and then i wrote quite a few papers about how terrible it was so when you say the film came up you mean the film came up like last night's dinner right <laughs> <laughs> yes and today when you were reading that quote from uh kirby sattler it came yeah. up again <laughs> as last night's dinner yeah yeah so for those who i i'd never heard of kirby sattler and actually in preparation for the show uh dr professor pelkey sent me an article and that's where i found out that uh when they say that oh they were inspired no they, if you look at the painting they just took the painting and plastered it to johnny depp's face and that's what, yeah and I, I, as far as i can tell I've never seen a representation like that. I mean, maybe there's somewhere that they do the whole caked white face thing with the black tear, I guess. But including the dead bird on his head, there it is. And I went looking up his artwork, and he does a lot of paintings. And he's a very accomplished artist, I'll give him that. But he does a lot of painting paintings of quote-unquote indigenous peoples, end quote. He just decides that accuracy is not necessary. Which is the problem with most, I assume, white people... Um, portraying indigenous characters, right? Is yeah, 
the it's not a real portrayal of um, indigeneity. It's a white constructed portrayal of indigeneity, which then takes over reality and becomes mainstream reality. Yeah. And also it's competing with indigenous artists who might, you know, want to make a lot of money selling their artwork. Right. And might actually be, you know, accurate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now with added accuracy, I can just see it as a big, big banner. Um, I, I think we're all going to answer this one, but uh, uh, Dr. Rebecca Pelkey, uh, I'm sorry, Professor Dr. Rebecca Pelkey, <laughs> PhD. That's Get right. It right. <laughs> um, it's going to cost you five bu bumpy bucks every time you get it wrong. Oh, I'm nearly out. Um, what what did you think of Mr. <laughs> Depp's portrayal of this oh boy. not even an originally actual Native American character? Well, I mean, I'll just come right out and say I loathe this film, right? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like this film at all. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, and, of course, this is, he's like, reprising his role as Jack Sparrow just in the Old West kind right. of, and, right? And that's, and that's a problem. Drunk. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and so he says, so when he's talking about the makeup, right, that he found this painting, he says, there's this very wise quarter, a very tortured and hurt section, an angry and rageful section, and a very understanding and unique side. This is what he has to say about the sort of sectioning of the white and the black stripes on the makeup. And he's sort of in that quote as every trope that Native Americans have ever been portrayed as the wise elder, the victim, um, the, the ruthless savage who's out for revenge, and the... Um, the understanding and unique side then comes into the sidekick aspect of it, right? Only there to be the sounding board for someone else's story, to hear and not to speak. And so the, I think that the, with all the best intentions that maybe he had to portray this character differently than it's been portrayed, those tropes still come back into this character, right? Mm. Even though the story is framed as being told from his perspective, he's still playing against civilization, right? He's still the one who's out for revenge and is trying to um, uh, turn the Lone Ranger away from civilization and lawlessness in a way, right? So um, lots of Lots of things wrong with the way this is the, the way that he's portraying. I don't have any problem with the comedy. I think Native American people are too often portrayed as very serious and not having a sense of humor, and that is not true at all. So um, the comedy doesn't bother me at all, but there are lots of things that do. Yeah, the comedy bothers me, and we'll get to that as to why. And I don't mean in his portrayal, but just in general in this film. Max, uh, what did you think of uh, Mr. Depp's portrayal of... A Native American that he claims that oh, his great-grandmother might have been, maybe. Okay, well, I, I would like to point out that, technically, according to the Mormon Church, I am Native American, because <laughs> the Native Americans are Jews. <laughs> we all know that. They're the lost ten tribes of Israel that came across the Bering Strait, so I believe I can speak knowledgeably. Uh, hey, Rocky, watch me pull a magic that. book out of a hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we won't get into that. What gets me, there is so much wrong with this. There is so much that is just cringeworthy about, <laughs> not, about this whole movie, but also his portrayal. One of the things that really gets me is, why is it that Tonto speaks the way Tonto has always spoken in the fiction, in that, you know, dropping the articles, uh, choppy sort of, uh, we go town now, Kimosabi. But the Comanche elder speaks flawless English, as does the warrior sitting next to the Lone Ranger, without any problems, without any of that weird cadence. Now, I will say at least this for other portrayals of Tonto, they usually make all of the Native Americans sound the same way. They all do that broken English. But that just makes it stranger and really much more obvious of what a caricature it is when they show, no, look, See, these guys can speak English just fine. The problem is him. 
Yeah. And the problem is the, because that that is, let's face it, when you think of Tonto, the character, that's one of his only defining traits. He has no personality in virtually any of the other presentations. He he, he doesn't have any character, any any excuse the term, color, except the way he talks. <laughs> and he talks the way they do Frank. I remember there was a sketch they used to do repeatedly on Saturday Night Live. It was one of those one-joke ponies. It was a talk show with Frankenstein, Tarzan, and Tonto. And the idea was they all talked the same way. And if you think about it, when the few times you have Frankenstein speak, that is, they do the, Tarzan does the same thing. Speaks of himself in the third person, drops articles, drops prepositions. And that was the whole joke. I don't know why they had to do it 25 times, but that was the whole joke. Um, <laughs> that's because what, that's what SNL does. Yeah. I was giggling earlier because you said that uh, Mr. Depp has no color, and I'd like to point out he yeah. does. White. His face <laughs> yeah. has been made white. I, I will also say that when very, we very actually white. get to potentially, uh, on, and Dr. Professor, Ph.D., Becca Pelkey, uh, <laughs> the people that were in, that were supposedly Comanche, I'm not even going to, pretend that they might all have been actually Comanche, but they were they Native American? I thought they were. Yes, and that's one of the other problems, right, is sort of main roles are given right. to white people, and then right. the background roles are given yeah. to actual Native people. The same is true in the, the equally wonderful film franchise <laughs> Twilight, in which Jacob oh, Black is, is not Native, but all of the right. other werewolf pack are actually Native actors. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so, I think isn't even uh, uh, Taylor. What's his fang? Isn't he part Native American? No, oh, I, don't I thought think he was. So. Oh, I thought no. he was. No. <laughs> um, the it, other thing too is that when we get actual Native American people, you suddenly realize one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> like Johnny Depp well, couldn't stand out more if they like than than doing that. And it's I, like one thing I I thought was really interesting was the article that uh, Doctor Professor Becca sent us. Uh, about this movie, and that points out that Tonto as a character in this movie is completely separate. Mm -hmm. mm. There's yes. no... In, even when they're in the Comanche camp, they're being tied up, tortured. No one talks to Tonto. No. Tonto is completely separate. Some of this, I guess, they they uh, attribute to his tragic backstory. I kept waiting for him to have daddy issues, but... Uh, <laughs> That's been a thing the last 20 years. If you're doing tragic backstory, you've yeah. got to have daddy or mommy issues. But there's no interaction. Johnny Depp doesn't interact. And honestly, I think that was probably for the best because <laughs> it, would make it, it would make him look even more ridiculous mm -hmm. actually being in the same shot as an actual Comanche. Because then you just, not, never mind. Obviously, that's why they keep his face painted the whole time because otherwise he would have to be in red face. But... His features are all wrong. He doesn't. There's nothing about his face that looks even vaguely Native American. Mm. Well, that's a that's a tricky. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a tricky slope. because there there is a, a stereotype that all Native people look the same, uh, and I mean, but and yeah, I fall into that too. You know, the cheek, <laughs> but the cheek, the cheekbones, and the aquiline nose, and the 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 shape of the eyes. I mean, he doesn't right. have blue I, I, the, eyes. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about other actors that could have played Tonto, right? And Gil Birmingham, who's in the movie, we see him on screen often as one of the Comanches, who actually is Comanche in real life. But doesn't a, have a line. <laughs> he's a great actor, has done lots of things. He could have been Tonto, but of course doesn't have the star power of Johnny Depp, right? Which right. draws people I in. Yeah. I guess Graham Greene was too old for the part. Probably Kinda. a little by that point, yeah. Although the original inception of Tonto in the radio show, he was an older, diminutive oh. sort of mm. el elder. And not this. it wasn't until the 50s that he transitioned into this younger sort of handsomer form. Yeah. Johnny Depp-like form. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will give Johnny Depp, and I don't know if this is him or the screenwriters... Oh, you screenwriters. <laughs> he never actually says the word ug, but that's about all I'm going to give him because his, mm -hmm. his delivery, and he has these weird little eye movements that are totally Jack Sparrow. They totally are. Mm. But he is just short of going ug 
me heap big whatever. I mean, it's it's not really much better, except occasionally when it is. Like suddenly his vocabulary is fine, and he can deliver. It's usually a joke or some humorous <laughs> line, but then he goes back to speaking that weird pigeon English thing, which we have to assume that all Native Americans sound like because nobody's willing to show them just talking, except in the TV. It, it is. Yeah. It, go ahead, please. Sorry. Um, he's. He's doing a kind of code switching, which Tonto has not historically done. It's either been one or the other, but um, there's a, a scholar, her name is Barbara Meeks, and she coined this term Hollywood Engine English, and she did a, ah. lot, of, a lot of research into this linguistic turn in, uh, of Native Americans, and that, that nonverbal that you're talking about, the, the gutturals, is very much embedded in the Tonto mythology. And Johnny Depp does them, but it's more like a mmm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Than, uh, like, like pre-language, like language has somehow failed, and so it sets them apart from civilization even more, right? That's what, that's what the goal of that is. Whereas the original Lone Ranger speaks in perfect American standard English all of the time. Mm. One might actually argue that they were perfectly civilized until we came along and screwed everything up. But that's, you know, that's a, that's a wild view, because who would believe that? Well, um, I mean, they were, they were perfectly civilized after we came along, too. But they did, basically, <laughs> the, the point is they didn't need us. Um, but at least we're continuing to portray them as, oh, wait, right, that's what this show's about. <laughs> um, Dr. Uh, Pelkey, if you wouldn't mind, and if you do mind, I'll edit this part out. I'll just edit out the part where I say I'll edit this part out if you don't mind. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit about your own heritage? Sure. Um, how much? As much as you'd like. Okay. Until I say, oh, we have to go. So, you know, just give us a bit. So we invited you for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's easy for two white guys to sit here and say, oh, bad, they shouldn't do this. Hollywood, terrible, yeah. stop. But it, I... It was suggested to me by my partner that, hey, you know who you should get? And I was like, you know, that's that's a good idea. Let's do that. Um, but Dr. Pelkey has Native American heritage. And uh, so it's like, hey, let's 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 make her watch this horrible <laughs> film. So she can go on to our little show. And dredged and, up these memories. Yeah. But yeah, if you wouldn't um, mind. Sure. I am, like you said at the beginning, I'm an enrolled member of the Brothertown Indian Nation of Wisconsin, which is is a non-federally recognized tribe. Now, federal recognition is a much longer conversation than we have time for, huh. I think, but um, my the Brothertown are unique in that it's an example of what we call ethnogenesis, where the original members of the Brothertown tribe were from seven separate tribes, who in the process of migrating away from colonists on the East Coast, actually in the Connecticut, Rhode Island area, became a new cultural entity. Um, so um, those were um, Tonksis, Narragansett, Mohegan, Montauket, um, Pequot, and I always miss one um, tribe. So several tribes that sort of banded together and became the Brothertown Indian Nation. So my family lineages through the brother country I have this Mohegan. I also have family lines that are Mohican, um, which are two separate tribes. And unlike, you know, um, Cooper's book, Last of the Mohicans, the Mohican tribe is alive and well and very <laughs> successfully living in oh. Wisconsin. Wait, wait, wait. So. You're trying to tell oh. me that Daniel Day-Lewis was not the last of the Mohicans? <laughs> yeah, yes. we forgot about Much that Much like one. Johnny Depp is not the last of the Comanches. <laughs> Almost exactly the same. The, yeah. the Comanche Nation still exists, doesn't it? There are still some people. Yes. Yeah, yes, they were in that the movie. Is what, <laughs> that, is, that, the, that is what Johnny Depp got adopted into is the uh. actual Comanche tribe. So, mm. And then I also have an Eastern Cherokee family line. Mm. Cool. Um, so that's a little bit about my background. Well, not only that, but... Um, your, some of your postgrad studies have been specifically not only into your Native American heritage background, but mm -hmm. into the languages to the extent that you're actually writing and publishing poetry that uses these languages. Isn't that true? 
Yeah, just Mohegan. Um, uh-huh. they're, they're, it's hard, especially at my age, to learn a new language, so I'm focusing on Mohegan. But yes, I, I have started that process. And that comes to, so we can, I, well, first let me say, I present as white. I walk through the world as a white person, so I have that privilege. Um, so my experience as a Native person is not the same as other people's experience as a Native person who, have, who walk through the world and are seen as brown people, right, are seen as Native. Um, but part of, if you ask, a, every Native person will tell you how you define who, who is and who isn't Native, and I think this is relevant to the film, is, um, is different for everyone, how you define who's Native and who isn't. And so, but one aspect of that is connection to a culture, connection to a community, um, and if you don't have that connection to a culture or a community, then it's very hard to sort of define yourself as Native. So learning the language is part of me sort of feeling connected to my culture and my community. And I, and I think one of the books you've already uh, published or been published in has poems with Mohegan in it. And you also have another one coming out. Um, is it later this year? Yeah, uh, it should be about mid-September. It's a book of poetry. It's called Through a Red Place. It's coming out through Perugia Press. And that one is the one that has the Mohegan and English translated poems in it. I don't think, I haven't had any of the Mohegan poems translated yet. Um, okay. Some things with a word or two here and there. But not, excuse me, not actually full works in Mohegan. So I'll make sure to get links from you, or at least uh, places people can look to see when those books are released. We'll put that in the uh, the show's release yeah. on the page. So, right. hey, Thank thanks you. for sharing. But it's like, man, I appreciate that. I, yeah, it, it was one of those cases where I just happened to know somebody that would work well in this, <laughs> and who actually has background and the credentials. So let's bring her aboard. Um, yeah. we've talked we've talked a lot about the portrayal. Um, mm-hmm. The native peoples, besides Johnny Depp, there's almost no depth there. Um, pretty much every scene, even when it turns out it's not really them, is still them jumping around and whooping and making war dance, blah, blah, blah. Was there any, as far as you could tell, and either of you can answer this if you've done research, was there any actual Comanche culture depicted in this film? Well, from what I understand, the film did have... um, did do consultation with both the Comanche and the Navajo tribe. I don't know why they had Navajo, Navajo consultants on, but so they did have cultural consultants. So I'm not super familiar with Comanche tribal traditions. Um, but the one thing I will say is that at least in this film, unlike almost every other Western, the native people are not the enemy, right? right? They're, they're not the enemy. They're not portrayed as the enemy. And that is one thing that's better, at least, about the film. <laughs> a lot of so so are you, in fact, like, recommending this film? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is the least you could possibly do, though. But Yeah. Um, it, by the way, Dr. Professor, did you see this? Did you notice this, or was this just me? The um, cavalry captain, who is never named, Custer. Did he look just a tad? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Did you he look we, almost exactly like he's supposed to be George Armstrong Custer? He certainly did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got the <laughs> long, cur- the long, fabulously curled hair and the silly little beard and the mustache and all. I'm thinking it's oh god, it's Custer. I nice forgot touch. to look. Was it played by the same actor who played Doctor Cullen? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't so. It was not. No. Okay. I know who you're referring to, but no, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it's not the guy who played Dr. Acula, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, so here's, we were earlier on, you were saying that you didn't mind the humor. Here's where I minded the humor. And the, 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 the slaughter, we get to see, this is really cool. We get to see this entire tribe of people get slaughtered <sighs> twice. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Please note that sarcasm. Um, the second time it happens, the first time it's, it's, we're looking into the past of Tonto and how he sold his people out for a silver watch from Sears and Roebuck, like that needed to be in there. 
Um, possibly, it, I know it wasn't product placement because I think Sears had already gone out of business by then. But if it was, it would have been the worst product placement since <laughs> Billion Bubble Machine and Robot Monster. Um, but we see in the present, well, the 1869, the Lone Ranger part of the story, because it does go back even further. We see the entire, we are guessing pretty much the entire tribe of Comanche get slaughtered as they come riding down the hills that doesn't look at all like Helm's Deep. Um, and then we see people, you know, Tonto comes across as people floating in the water. He, there's a little humorous moment and he walks away. There is literally no reaction from him at all, except, huh, my dead bird, my poor dead bird. And that, that's it. Like there's nothing. And that, that the film does this over and over again, where these very serious moments. And then there's this almost cartoon like humor. That's just really weird. Did, did either of you find that same thing? Yeah, yes. The humor in this movie, it really gets incredibly both juvenile and inappropriate. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's joke, there's a horse poop joke where, <sighs> you know, they're dragging, you know, Tonto's dragging the Lone Ranger behind them on the horse, and he runs over the horse's poop, and they linger on this for yeah. quite a while. And there is a sequence I find really disturbing. They're following another horse. The horse stops and drops dead. Yeah. This is played for laughs. Like, oh, that's fun. And then, of course, what does Tonto literally do? He kicks the dead horse. <laughs> Which, quite honestly, I'm sitting there going, if that ain't a metaphor for this movie. <laughs> wow. At least he didn't beat it, I suppose. But I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same phrase. Yeah. It's like, good Lord, that's just really tasteless. Well, there's also no explanation. The horse just dies. Not for any yeah. It hadn't been running to death. It was just Apparently walking. Apparently it was very depressed. I don't know. It just like pitches over and that's it. Maybe it, it realized was... that it was alone. It was a desert and it had no name. That <laughs> could have been it. Oh, no. <laughs> or it just there are... didn't want to be in this movie anymore. That's it. It's like, <laughs> How do I get out of I'm, this circus tent? I know. Wait. I'll pitch over. <laughs> Wait, am I in the shot with Johnny Depp? Oh no, um, Arg Thud. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the, uh, so many odd elements in this. Apparently, by the way, there this movie was supposed to be uh, a little different. It was supposed to play up the mystical and the almost science fiction fantasy elements a lot stronger. Apparently, there were supposed to be werewolves in this movie. Hence, the significance <laughs> of the silver bullets. Right. Of course, there were. Well, yeah, well yeah. heck, they did but, include one thing, and we're all going to ask the same uh, question. If it's not in all yeah. our notes, I'll be amazed. What's with the goddamn rabbits? <laughs> yes, seriously. The carnivorous, cannibalistic rabbits. It's like, hi, we, were wa we wandered in from the movie next door. Well, either that, it's a weird reference to Banicula, if any of you know who that is. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It's yeah. a vampire carrot-eating rabbit, I guess it eats... I, I, it, there, there's, these, there's these vampire rabbits, I guess, and they're cooking a rabbit, and all these rabbits come out and watch them, and I'm going to think, oh, this, this is going to be a Porgs moment where the stupid things <laughs> guilt them into not eating one of their own, although it's already cooked, so who cares? And then Tonto takes a piece, like a leg of the rabbit off, and throws it to them, and they swarm it. It's like, and, and there's no explanation for this. They just do it and run off. And then they show up later in the film as if to remind you, hey, you know that question you asked about a half an hour ago and didn't get an answer to? We're still here. Enjoy. Yeah. And then they leave. Maybe, maybe it was a tribute to Night of the Lepus. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I yeah. was going to say, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no wire hangers. Um, the, the, only exp the only thing we ever get is that little line that Tonto keeps throwing out that doesn't seem to mean anything about nature is out of balance. Mm -hmm. Sure. Hence, you know, sure, flesh-eating rabbits, uh scorpions that come out during the day yeah uh well, horses that can stand on tree branches <laughs> there's yet another native american trope that yeah. plays out in film and literature about the the mystic right the mm. mysticism mm. Yep. of native americans with nature right and um which really is just like thousands and thousands of years of understanding of the place that you live in but um yeah, so I kind of was like, is this trying to play off that trope in some way? And then I the the sort of quote-unquote progress is throwing that out of balance. I'm not sure either. Well, but on one hand, we see Tonto with the dead bird. He's constantly feeding, and he says, oh, its spirit is gone, but that's not the same as dead, whatever. 
we sort of see him, maybe it's suggested he actually flies out of prison in the early part of the film because they never do explain how he gets out. Um, and But then they, they you're sort of, it's suggested that he's actually just kind of crazy. Except that when... He, there's a there's a piece of silver because that's central to the to the plot, and I don't mean the horse, but this this silver. And the Lone Ranger John Reed goes to pick up the the piece of silver, and Tonto says, "No, don't touch. It's cursed." And of course, John Reed, being the moron he is, we'll get to him in a second, picks it up, and then he gets these weird mental flash pictures of things that are going to happen later in the film, which they also don't explain. So is it magic? Isn't? We can't tell if it's supposed to be crazy because it happens to other people besides him, but no one seems to care, including us. Yeah. But, so uh, we've talked all about the Native American. Let's talk about the Lone Ranger for a sec, shall we? Um, a show of hands. Who liked the character in this film? I don't hear you can't your see this, but You can't see this, but no hands are being raised. <laughs> Yeah, was, the character is obnoxious. He's, oddly enough, another boring cliche. Honestly, he's also, I think, a rip-off, oh, I'm sorry, tribute to a much, much better character if you've ever seen a movie called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. He was the greatest of them he, all. He, never mind the pop song. But he, <laughs> there is a character, and they're played by Jimmy Stewart. This is a classic John Ford Western with Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne. Jimmy Stewart is... A guy named, yes, Ransom Stoddard. Yeah, his name is Ransom. Who comes out to the Old West with a law book. He's a lawyer. And he believes he can bring law. He wants to, uh, you know, pro he basically does, wants uh, what the John Reed, or whatever the heck his name is in this, mm -hmm. wants is to prosecute criminals and take them, bring them to justice. You know, he's Batman, basically. <laughs> you know, Batman don't want to kill any, but, and in that, in... That that's the central part of the movie. It's it's and it's also you know a really good movie. So this is kind of a bad rip off of that. It's like oh no, I'm an Eastern tenderfoot and I don't understand the Wild West. Despite the fact he apparently grew up in that town, <laughs> yeah. he just forgot everything. Well, four years uh, of college will do that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now he's out there carrying you know, a copy of John Locke. Yeah. Well, we see him in the beginning and. He... Yeah, he's supposed to be the fish out of the water, which doesn't make sense. I think the only reason he's initially out of the water is he's shaved. He's the only person yeah. in the film who's actually shaved. Yeah. Um, but then we have to go through this painful, reluctant hero origin scene where it's like, no, I can't. No, not me. No, I can't. And, of course, Tonto can't do it because, um, wait, why can't Tonto do it? Yeah. Oh, right, he could. No, he's not white. I forgot. How silly me. It's That mask threw me off. Um and we have to go through the scene where, I mean, who here, again, show of hands, didn't see the death of his brother coming? No oh, that hands was in neon going. letters about 60 <laughs> feet high. Hey, you're sitting there going, hey, let's go into this canyon. You know, right, right under here, the big sign that says, ambush ahead. <laughs> next next ambush, 55 miles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my uh, note was, quote, brave death scene, end quote, TM, brother Dan. Um... <laughs> And then, of course, he lives long enough so he can have a speech because, you know, right, whatever. No, you must. And, and I give you permission to go wed my wife, who you have the hots for. And let's face it, doesn't really like me much anyway. Uh, so we, we're already done with racism. Let's let's bring misogyny into this because there's not nearly enough of that. Because the only women in this film are either in a sort of subservient role, i.e. the the wife of Dan Reed, or... They're literally prostitutes. Oh, we don't use that yeah. word. They, um, yeah, they're they working. never say the word, but that's the two major women are, you know, Red, Helena Bonham Carter. I don't know what she's doing in this movie, but I don't know what Tom Wilkinson is doing in this movie either. <laughs> and uh, what's her name? Um, sorry, Rebecca. That's what's yeah. kind of confusing. The Oops. wife, who you literally have the Madonna and the whore. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it's. They are, and these characters, if they turn sideways, you can't see them. That's how two-dimensional they are. Well, but you can tell and them. A, a you can tell them apart because one of them has a gun in her leg. <laughs> yeah. By the way, what is the likelihood that a Comanche would know what Scrimshaw is? At all. And not to mention, what would what would anybody in excuse me Texas know about Scrimshaw? Because yes. that was mostly a coastal phenomenon. It Most sure is New Texas, England. jolly old chap. <laughs> as soon as the movie opens, I was like, it's 
it's Monument Valley. I, I've been there. Yeah. Every Western yeah. was shot there. Why are you saying it's Texas? Well, later on in other parts of Texas, that's still Monument Valley. We're in Utah. Yeah. That yeah. might be Arizona, but there's no Texas here. Um, the, the, sad, the saddest thing to me with Helena Bonham Carter's character is she could be really interesting. It's like, what? oh, wow, this woman, the implication is Cavan, Butch Cavendish cut off her leg. I assume and ate it. I don't know. That was suggested, yeah. And uh, I, I just have no idea. She well, could be really interesting, and they do nothing with her. She's a plot device. What she needed That's pretty was much a little it. person to come out and go, Who run Barter Town? And then she would have been on top. <laughs> but that's about as close as we would have got. <laughs> um, Becca, what other points? I'm sorry, Dr. Professor Pelkey. Uh, what other po- and I, I joke about that, and I shouldn't, because she actually did earn that, and that, that's just us having some fun um, at her expense, which is, I won't do that anymore. Uh, no, that is totally fine. <laughs> what, uh, what other points would you like to bring up about ways in this, which this film falls short? Well, there's a couple of scenes I could site the one you already mentioned once is the scene where we see the the comanche coming down the hill right and getting gunned down by gatling guns right um this is this happens a lot too and this is part of a tradition that started with james fenmore cooper's last of mohicans right this internalizing of what america white americans see as the the end of the Indians as Indians ceasing to exist as becoming extinct, right? The Comanche in this film internalized that. Right. The chief says, we are already ghosts. It doesn't nice. matter if we all die or not, right? And that is, <laughs> that is very, very problematic, right? It's like, um, and so they sort of like sacrifice themselves in this what? battle at the end. Yeah, exactly. For <laughs> what? Um, they're, Save they're, the white guy. <laughs> they're a plot point. They're a distraction in the scene, right? So that the rest of the the plot can play out between the white bad guys and the white good guys, guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, it depends s- if you count Johnny Depp. Or not. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So that's, I think, a problem. And then I think, like, like um, Chadwick Allen talks about in that article that we read. Um, the framing of the film, which we were like, why is it framed like this, is yeah. so important. Um, the first thing we see is this museum of the Wild West. We see a bison, a grizzly bear, and Tonto. Right? <laughs> we're immediately positioned to see Tonto as an animal, and as an animal that has disappeared from the plains. Right? So that positioning... In that same scene, the little boy, two things about him. When Tonto moves, his first instinct is to shoot Tonto. Right. Mm-hmm. right yeah. So we're immediately getting that binary. And then um, it's about who gets possession of whose stories, right? Ta- like, this is something that Chadwick Allen brought up, too. Um, Tonto doesn't tell his story to a Native American boy because they're presumably all gone. But this young white boy gets to then be the purveyor, gets to hold Tonto's story and, and move it forward if he so chooses. So this, again, is just sort of problematic. The ending where Tonto literally walks off into the sunset. What is that? What <laughs> he is changes that? into a suit first. And a suitcase and walks off into Monument Valley and that's all we see is this long shot of him through the credits just walking away. What was yep. the point? That's I don't know. The whole Indians are gone, right? No uh, more Indians. We have all uh, disappeared into the landscape, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so all that is troubling. And then in the just one more point about the beginning. Once we move from the frame narrative into the actual narrative, the first thing we see is them robbing the bank, right? Why do they start there? Yeah. Uh, my theory is that we, the first thing we see is Tonto, Tonto's uncivilizing influence on the Lone Ranger, right? Uh. We see him prodding the Lone Ranger, the hero, the American white hero, to do something 
that doesn't align with his own ethics of law and justice. That's the first thing we see of these two characters. So again, we're positioned to see that binary between the two of them as civilized, not civilized. And then we see, you know, see that play out through the rest of the film, of course. Really good points. And a couple I did not pick, like the whole equating with an animal. I was just so focused <laughs> on the sign that they put at the bottom of his exhibit. You oh, can use the word savage. cage if you want. Mm. Noble savage. I was just like, yeah. really? And here's the problem. Sadly, that's probably technically accurate. Mm -hmm. Like, if they did have an exhibit oh, back sure. in the 30s, that probably is what they would have written. But we don't need to have it reinforced. Right. Um, that, oh, that was a major thing uh, that came up in 19th century English culture, was the idea of the noble savage. Did you notice that one of the trades that Tonto made with the, the people he was burying was a popcorn bag that the, came out of the framed narrative <laughs> at the beginning? <laughs> What was that, too? There's this whole sub... I don't even know what... It's not even a subplot where suddenly Silver decides to drink beer, and it's like, no, oh, no, don't do that. That's literally it. There's not a point where, like, oh, the, they don't even do a joke about the horse being hung over. It's just... There's a whole bunch of decisions in this film. There's one point where we hear loons. Don't think there's any loons in Monument <laughs> Valley. And, of course, all I could think of was, Norman the loons. Um... And I don't know. And there's electric toy trains in 1869, really? Because, okay, sure. Um, I, there's just a lot of weird... There's a point where there's a, a big explosion near the end of the film, and it a lot of people are caught in the shrapnel, including the band that was playing on the, the big stand there. So, of course, we come back at the end, and the band's still playing, but now they're all bandaged up like <laughs> mummies, because... Uh, yeah, we actually uh, we have to actually wrap up because we're, we've come to that time and we, we're not going to do our usual thing because literally we don't have time. But um, I think it's fairly safe to say that uh, nothing is the, well, white people come out pretty good in this film. But uh, I'd like to hear. Uh, <laughs> depends. I think if you're you're really pro white, you're pretty happy with their their representation in this film. But otherwise, if you actually have any humanitarianism in you, then no. Uh, certainly the Lone Ranger is not a character that I care anything about, certainly not after this film. Uh, I don't think any of us would recommend this film. No. No. It's it's just weird. I don't know who it's for. It's like, a, I wouldn't show this to kids. There's cannibalism in it. The guy literally eats just, the heart out of one of the, the dead rangers. It's much too long. Yes. It's just very long. Yeah. yeah. But then there's this weird humor... And there's a kid in it who is cool. We get to see him hold a gun on somebody because that's what we should see kids doing. I, from the opening of the film, I just kept thinking uh, it's Back to the Future 3. We get a big a shot where, where uh, Tonto and Lone Ranger are still chained together. And it's like, okay, we're still doing the Defiant ones. Like, that's still a thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, check literally every cartoon in the 50s and 60s that at some point, every sitcom did it at some point. Uh, this film just kept seeming to echo other films and not in good ways as thankfully as we've got a uh, much more expert opinion than than max or i we know that the depiction of native american people was really no better than it's ever been except for the the lack of the word ug uh and becca your final words on this film uh i don't know that i have final words on the film but i will say just um you know if you ask every Native American person, they'll have a different opinion on this film, right? Some people would say that any representation of a Native person on screen is better than no representation, right? Some people would have that opinion. So I'm only voicing, you know, my opinion and the opinions that I've seen of maybe a couple other scholars like Chad Allen. Um, and I've looked online and done some research. But, you know, the Comanche tribe in general, they actually liked some things about this film and I think there are reasons outside of the film for them to be supportive of a film and want a relationship with a mega star like Johnny Depp right so um, but I just want to reinforce that this I'm just voicing my thoughts and my opinions not the opinions of all native people when right. for sure well I would like to thank Dr. Rebecca Pelkey for coming on to the show uh, great guest yeah I really appreciate your perspective you had some great thoughts um there's all sorts of things I wouldn't have come up with. I don't know about Max, but I wouldn't have come up with without your insight. So thank you very much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. 
Well, uh, we'd like to re reiterate our uh, poll question for this week. And our poll question is, uh, what was the first movie you saw in a theater? Meaning, you know, not somebody's basement, not on TV. First film in a theater with an actual big screen. And what? where was that? It has to be a real theater of some sort. And you may giggle if you want at uh, what that might entail. But I'm betting that there's very few six-year-olds whose first film was in the adult section of their favorite town. Um <laughs> Except Max. Uh, to answer our poll question, we have the following ways. You can do it through email, and you get super extra triple yummy luscious bumpy bucks if you use our email address. And that is us at MaxMikeMovies.com, which is also our website, MaxMikeMovies.com, which is, has all of our episodes. You can listen to every one of them again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> You can find us on social media, both at Twitter and at Facebook, at Max Mike Movies. And heck, if you've got a favorite podcast app, we're probably on there as well. But we're only halfway through this little series of whitewashing. Max, where is the whitewashing train taking us next week? <laughs> this is totally Max, and uh, you should join us next week for Tropic Thunder. Ha ha ha! I'm really Max. No, I'm really, really Max. Well, as long as it doesn't have Ben Stiller in it, I'm fine. Ha, ah, the joke is on you, Mike, because Ben Stiller is in it. Aha. Hey! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. <laughs> ha, ha, ha.